Fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time. Even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. Welcome into the program. Hey, pat yourself on the back, man. You finally made it to the end of the week, the greatest day of the entire week, allegedly. As we carpe diem all over this place, that's what we do here on the show. Welcome into it. It is a Friday. It is the Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. What's up? Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. Oh, it helps when I actually turn on. I was like, why is my music still so loud? It helps if I turn on the wrong channel here. All right, let's try that again. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas. On our flagship radio station, all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show, always a pleasure to have you along for the ride. Your Millennial General reporting for duty. I don't know, man. I am starting to believe that our judicial system is a little wonky. I don't know what new information we could have after how many years since the actual event happened, but the headlines, it's official. The formal charges have been dropped on Alec Baldwin they started it yesterday, but the formal paperwork's been filed today to make it official official. But Alec Baldwin now, all the charges were dropped for the manslaughter on the Rust shooting. For those that don't know, haven't been paying attention for the last couple of years, he was on the set shooting a country at Western film called Rust. And the shooting was in 2021, so that was two years ago. And he's been charged originally with manslaughter, second-degree manslaughter, which would be appropriate for the actor holding a firearm that ends up shooting a producer while they're doing a shot. Pun intended. And he says that it was not his fault because, obviously, he didn't pull the trigger. He uh, cocked back the hammer, and he was making a shot. And then, boom, he let go, and then it just went off. And all of a sudden, the bullet flew out of a firearm, and we have no idea how this could possibly happen, and ended up killing uh, Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer that was doing the shot with him. And he's been charged, but officially now that's been dropped. As the formal notice was filed today, dismissing without prejudice the criminal case against Alec Baldwin, noting, quote, new facts have been revealed that demand further investigation and forensic analysis, which cannot be completed before the May 3rd, 2023 preliminary hearing. Oh, my. New in- after two years of investigation, new information has all of a sudden approached. Funny how that works. After two years, I mean, I- I'm pretty sure that the set hasn't moved and the investigation on where it happened and how it happened has not been moved and alec baldwin's out been out there talking about it on every media outlet that would allow him to do it for the last couple of years but now new facts and new information has been revealed therefore dropping the formal charges on alec i know that you usually may not really care about that issue and i'm not going to spend a lot of time on it but it is weird and i'm starting to question our judicial system on how efficient these guys actually are. Now, according to the experts and the attorneys in the case, they say that they could be redrawn against him, but uh, up to the preliminary hearings that are coming up in just a couple weeks, they're dropping the charges on him. Now, they're not dropping the charges on the Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who is the weapons supervisor on the movie, as she's kind of the front-line security person, so that would make sense why she would get the brunt of the punishment. But Alec Baldwin, walking away, man, 
Now, apparently, he's not going to get off scot-free without some type of criminal charge, but not the second-degree manslaughter that was uh, uh, that was originally filed against him. So, interesting case, definitely. And it falls right in line with the same time where we have mass shootings going on in the Biden administration going after Second Amendment issues, which is where we start today. I've been... Uh, let's go ahead and do this. Let's do that. What's trending today? I've been torn on what direction we want to go on the program today because there's a lot I want to get to for the final day of the week. Bottom of the hour, we have Gabriella Hoffman. She is uh, with the Independent Women's Forum. She's also a podcaster known as the District of Conservation Podcast. She's also an award-winning a writer and journalist. She's also a media consultant and other things as well. I am excited as she will be in the Kansas area coming up tomorrow for uh, the Kansas State Rifle Association's annual convention. Now, for most listeners, you know that I'm on the board for that, and I will also be emceeing the event tomorrow uh, up in Kansas City tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening. So I'm very excited about it, and we get to meet Gabriella Hoffman, and she will be the keynote speaker for that event. So we sat down with her. We'll play the extended episode, uh, interview with her on our local program tomorrow morning here in the Wichita area. But I do want to play a part of that on this broadcast as well for all of our listeners, even outside of the state of Kansas, because she brings up some really interesting points, which will be partly of her speech tomorrow. And even if you're not in Kansas, you're more than welcome to show up to the Kansas State Rifle Association's meeting. going to be an awesome event. And she talks about the Second Amendment and how it ties in with the conservation movement that we normally don't hear about, trying to preserve state parks and national parks and trying to preserve the natural forests and not doing it in a very weird environmental protection way of saying that humans are evil, but actually trying to preserve it because we are the true conservationists. And looking forward to that interview. So we'll play that coming up at the bottom of this hour in just a little bit. Real quickly on the gun issue before we do shift gears and move on a little bit, this whole Alec Baldwin thing's coming at a time where we have the Biden administration trying to sign executive orders to put in red flag laws, trying to ban, quote-unquote, assault weapons and AR-15s because they're very, very scary, and you need to be yeah, you need to be scared of those. And the Democrats are having a mass movement going after two-way issues. Now, every time they mention two-way issues, especially during election season, they lose popularity. They just they don't have any support for it, and their popularity as a candidate goes down the drain. Prime example would be the presidential candidates of 2020 when we had even Joe Biden and Eric Swalwell and Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke and all these other guys who said that that was their number one priority as a president that would be addressing Second Amendment issues. And as soon as they mentioned that, Beto O'Rourke, boom, he dropped out. He couldn't handle it. Kamala Harris, even though she's VP now, she had to do that by piggybacking on another candidate because, boom, she dropped out, couldn't handle the pressure. Eric Swalwell, it was environmental issues and Second Amendment issues. Boom, he dropped out. Every time they mention these issues, their popularity goes down, which should be an indicator for someone who's trying to win an election, regardless if you're an ideologue or not, should be an indicator that maybe this is not the most popular issue. And while you may want to address it down the road, maybe you should be a little hush-hush about the issue, particularly on the campaign trail when people like to cling on to their guns and their Bibles. <laughs> I know that's a controversial point. Democrats, I'm trying to help you out, by the way. So shut up and just listen for a second. People want their firearms. We continue to see mass sales of firearms. Barack Obama and Joe Biden have been some of the biggest gun salesmen this country has ever seen because every time they mention it, gun sales go through the roof, and it's massive. Even right now when Joe Biden's going after all this, the good news is that we have the Supreme Court that's helping us out on this issue. But 
it's breadcrumb after breadcrumb after breadcrumb. Alec Baldwin was the epitome of gun control narratives. He was the spokesperson in many ways for the Hollywood celebrity elite going after gun control issues and trying to attack the firearm. Now, after this whole incident, he's bowed out of that, obviously, and the media is starting to turn on him because just at the same time where we have Alec Baldwin seeing ch- uh, files uh, charges dropped on him, the anti-gunners are going to be losing their minds. Wait a second. He did shoot somebody, and guns are totally evil. And by the way, they're resuming the filming of that movie Rust, which means Alec Baldwin's going to be back on set filming in the same place where he ended up shooting and killing somebody, even accidentally. It still happened. Does there need to be replications for that? Absolutely there needs to be replications for that. Parents who leave their guns unattended and loaded with a fire with a with a bullet in there end up getting in trouble when their kids get a hold of it and accidentally shoot somebody. Do they intentionally do it? Of course they don't intentionally do that, but it happens. And yet the parents get in trouble for that. That's the same situation here. When a gun's left unattended and it gets stolen out of a vehicle and someone uses it, guess what? The person that shot uh, shot it gets in trouble. The person that left it unattended gets in trouble. Both of them are responsible at the end of the day. In this situation... The shooter, Alec Baldwin, the one who should have been uh, uh, utilizing this, the Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, both of them need to have the slap on the wrist in a pretty severe manner because someone died due to their negligence on this case. Now, at the same time this is being uh, brought up, the Associated Press continues to drop the breadcrumbs. Remember, this is all about the constant fear, constant paranoia, constant state of anger, constant state of hate, constant state of just ridiculousness, so that way you finally throw your hands up in the air and you say, fine, we're going to drop the issue. Go ahead with your gun control measures. (laughs) Now, if they think that's going to happen, then they got another thing coming because that's not going to happen in any way, shape, or form. But if that's what they want to push for, all the power to you. Here's the latest from the Associated Press. The U.S. is setting a record pace for mass killings in 2023. The uh, the carnage so far, what they say replaying a mass shooting on a weekly basis so far this year, has taken 88 lives in 17 different mass killings over 111 days. Each time the killer welded firearms. (laughs) Now, if you're killing somebody in mass, you probably need a firearm to do that. I know that that's a wild thing to think of, but... Just throwing that out there. So 88 lives have been taken and 17 mass shootings. I'm curious on what their definition of a mass shooting is. It's different based on which organization that you look at, but we'll go with it for just a second. The killers welded firearms. Only 2009 was marked with as many such tragedies in the same period of time. I'm trying to remember. Now, hold on. We have a record pace for mass killings in 2023. The last time we had this many was back in 2009. What what political office was in charge both of those times i'm trying to remember can we can we remember that for a second hold on let me think about it trying really hard let's see here okay that was 2009 so that would have been 2007 when i went to college that would have been the election of barack obama oh yeah that's right that was barack obama's reign in 2009 that was also the time that we passed obamacare the economy was going down the tubes Everything was bad. Mental health issues were ramping up. That's right. Mass shootings skyrocketed in 2009 under a Democrat administration. It's 2023 right now. And who's president again? I'm trying to remember. Hold on. I'm having a Joe Biden moment for, oh, that's right, that guy. You know the thing. (laughs) In 2023, with mass shootings ramping up again, 
why we can go about the psychological issues any uh, all that we want to and go down that rabbit hole but the reason is is that while they try to ban firearms bad guys are getting hold of firearms and doing terrible things people with mental health issues are wanting to do more horrible atrocious things in society and under democrat control they're not punishing the bad guys enough to where we're just letting them out a lot thanks due to the uh, district attorneys and judges in er different areas funded by george soros to not let somebody actually stay in prison but just walk out without any type of bail or any other issue right now uh, to where we're seeing mass shootings being run rampant constantly at the same time, we have Chicago that's burning to the ground with a lot of teenagers running around doing crazy stuff with the DNC uh, getting ready to hold their convention at the same place next year as their social experiment begins to burn right at their feet. Is there an agenda going on here? Is there a movement? Is there a purpose and why all this is happening all at the same time? My guess is that the Alec Baldwin lack of punishment, even though he was an anti-gunner advocate, my guess is that this comes at the same time all of these breadcrumbs are being laid out right now. So the moms demand action and all these anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment uh, organizations across the nation have more fuel to say, oh, look, justice isn't being done when something bad's actually happening. We need to step up and get rid of the gun because the court system isn't allowing justice to happen the way it actually needs to be done. And look at all the people that are dying all over the country so far in 17 mass killings according to the associated press however they define what a mass shooting actually is taking 88 lives across the nation and more to come why why oh why is this happening and when are we going to start going after the firearm interesting conversation we'll do some more of this when we come back here right around the corner it's a friday baby right here on the voice reason stay here This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour, dude. I can't I can't take some of the way the media writes things. I just can't do it. You remember during the Trump administration, everything Trump would do, even if it was good, they were like, Donald Trump said a misquote and he did these horrible things and he's the worst person in. Remember all those? Holy cow, man. Now, they do everything they can to make Joe Biden as the lighthearted, lovey-dovey guy that they want him to be. He's not, but they want him to be that. I don't know if you are familiar with the story. It made national news out of Kansas City, just a little bit north of us here in the Wichita area, where 16-year-old Ralph Yarl, this happened just last week, and this is another little breadcrumb of the gun issue, trying to take the firearm away, the whole red flag law thing, the fact that you can't actually defend your own home kind of thing. They're using this as an example, and it's a terrible story, and it shouldn't have happened because a... Uh, individual who actually is commonsensical probably shouldn't just open your door firing at anybody they do not know. But that's exactly what happened. Is a 16-year-old Ralph Yarl, a black student, was going to pick up his siblings from a home and went to the wrong door and knocked on the door of this individual where his siblings were not. And the individual ended up opening the door and shooting the kid twice, once in the head, uh, that greased his head, the other one in his arm. The kid is alive. He is okay. 
Thank God, and it's a terrible tragedy. But a, uh, NBC News ran a story on this, and just looking, just it makes my head hurt how badly they try to make Joe Biden sound like this lovey-dovey kind of guy. As President Joe Biden spoke at length with the Kansas City teenager who was shot after he rang the wrong doorbell while trying to pick up his younger siblings. As he joked, because Yarrow hoped to attend Texas A&M to major in chemical engineering, and Biden, quote, lightheartedly attempted to convince him that University of Delaware was a much better option as they discussed his success in the classroom. Biden and Yarrow also discussed their family's history and love of music. Why do we need to know this information? I don't care about the personal conversation that Joe Biden had with this student while trying to say, hey, so sorry for what happened to you. Now, in any other circumstance, the president of the United States would not be talking to somebody like this. Like that, they wouldn't. It's an accident that happened. The guy got a little trigger happy. I don't know why he was just, maybe he was waiting for someone bad to show up at his doorstep. Maybe it was the middle of the night. He was just freaked out and just opened fire. I don't know what happened. It was not justified. And the guy is arrested and he's being charged and he pleaded not guilty. So we'll see how that court case goes. Who knows what can happen with that? I mean, Alec Baldwin just got off with accidentally firing and not getting any charges on him. So who knows what could happen with these types of cases? It's not right. And the guy should be punished for what he did. And thank God the 16-year-old Ralph Yarrow is okay. Because that's a horrible situation. You're just there to pick up your siblings, and then you end up getting shot because you knocked on the wrong door. That's ridiculous. But outside of that, why in the world is the President of the United States talking to this kid? You want to know why? It's because he's using it for the gun control measure. And because it was an Asian guy that shot a black kid. So, therefore, it's some type of weird hate crime. I don't know how on the level of hate crime-ishness it is because it wasn't a pure white guy that shot the black guy. If that were the case, then we would have streets being burnt down there. Now, there were protests for the kid and protesting that guy, but they're protesting the stand-your-ground laws. They're protesting the gun policy. If it was a white guy that had shot the black kid, then it would be a hate crime thing with white supremacists there, and then there would be burning in the streets. This one's been a little bit more of a peaceful protest because they're not protesting the skin color. They're actually protesting the policy of someone being allowed to have a firearm and defend their home. And you see the difference here? You see the difference? Now, if Joe Biden again was to talk to this kid in any other circumstance, it would be a completely different conversation. How there's a whole bunch of racism rampant and running through society and how it's a terrible ordeal. That's the conversation we'd be having. But no, no, this one's about the gun policy. Because it was an, you can't go after the Asian guy because then it would be discrimination too, I guess, or something. I don't know. It's a weird situation. But they haven't mentioned race at all in this one. It's just been the fact that there's allowed to have a gun. So apparently you have to have a different skin color to actually talk about gun policy instead of actually the racist part of the conversation as well. I'm so confused and my brain hurts right now. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today with us as usual. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride today. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you check out the show. We love you to death. We have great numbers on any of those platforms, so thank you, thank you. Always a pleasure. Uh, 
You would think that with all these quote-unquote mass shootings that the Associated Press is running, and then, of course, the kids that are actually getting, accidentally getting shot, you would think that, again, with the crime rates that we see in Kansas City, in Chicago, in Washington, D.C., and other places, from criminals in the streets, gangs that are shooting at each other, all these terrible things that are going on, that you should maybe address those issues instead of letting the criminals back onto the streets. But no, we need to worry about the racist situations or the other ones to where, oh, uh, it's an opportunity for us to take firearms away from average Americans. Very strange conversation. All right. Uh, I want to get to our next guest, Gabrielle Hoffman. She is with the Independent Women's Forum. She's a podcaster uh, with the show District of Conservation Podcast. She's also a writer. She's an award-winning writer and journalist. She's also a media consultant and a heck of a lot more. She's going to be speaking at the Kansas State Rifle Association's annual convention in Kansas City tomorrow that I will be at in emceeing. So looking forward to introducing her. But she she sat down with us here on the program just yesterday to talk about some of the things with conservation and the Second Amendment, and this is what she had to say. Gabriella, how are you today? Good to be on with you, Andy, and I'm also a gun owner, too. And, and a gun owner. Thing I don't want to miss, yeah. That's right, an <laughs> avid Second Amendment advocate and gun owner. How many, okay, I know this is kind of a taboo thing to ask, but how many firearms do you own? <laughs> I personally have two, but there are three in my house, yes. I love it. I love it. That's right. Well, first off, welcome to Candace and welcome. We're excited to have you speak at the KSR event tonight. It's it's going to be a big one because obviously you hosting the podcast on conservation, which I want to talk about in just a second, and the Second Amendment, they go hand in hand. And for some reason, on the right side of the aisle, we seem to end up being the bad guys on national conversations when it comes to gun ownership and conservation, how we just don't care about the environment. Is that really true? It's not the case believe it or not. And I've been going across the country through many different affiliations I have. I'm also a senior fellow with Independent Women's Forum. I don't focus on gun issues there, but I try to insert it whenever I talk about conservation with them. Also uh, with the Committee for Constructive Tomorrow. And I often do these speeches through like the College Republicans or turning point groups in concert with the Leadership Institute where I used to work. And I talk about how conservation is conservative. I do talk about how excise taxes largely funded by shooting sports, uh, a big, big chunk of the 75% that are contributed by sportsmen and women, but much of it is guns and ammunition. Um, I talk about how there's that connection if we're trying to say that the Second Amendment um, has more of a purpose besides you know, trying to protect yourself from any onslaught of tyranny. Uh, but the Second Amendment is not about hunting. I'll make a a kind of a commentary on that in my speech, and we can talk more about like what a preview of my speech will look like uh, this evening. But yeah, there is a connection, but it's not a guarantee. The Second Amendment of hunting it it does support hunting activities and overall conservation as it relates to that. But um, those differences have to be made. But I think sportsmen and women, especially gun owners of all magnitudes, stripes, regardless of how many they own, they should be very proud that the monies that are generated from their purchases, and you're not seeing an additional tax. That's what this excise tax thankfully accomplishes. You're not seeing an added financial burden. There's no you know, line item that says that you're paying this in excise taxes. But to correct for a lot of destruction of wildlife that was happening at the end of the 19th century, early 20th century, people who were hunting and, and engaging in shooting sports recognized that if they don't rectify the situation, there won't be wildlife to enjoy. Um, not even for just hunting purposes, but even just to admire as well. So bipartisan members of Congress, it was during the uh, FDR administration, probably one of the good things he pushed through 
and signed into law was the Pittman-Robertson Act, which kind of governs how excise taxes are collected from sporting goods and then distributed to the 50 states. Probably the one good thing the government does, um, usually under Republican administrations, in my opinion, um, but it's supposed to be you know, bipartisan, and um, they are stewarding money under this administration, but they're not representing sportsmen and women, much like they're not representing the Second Amendment. Uh, but they have to, in accordance with their duties, the Department of Interior has to distribute these monies um, to all the 50 states based on the number of hunters and also the land size of each state. So I think um, Kansas has a lot of money. I don't know the exact numbers, but I recommend your listeners to check it out. Um, very easy to find how much directly goes to Kansas. But I have seen some fellow conservatives lament this law, saying it's an infringement on the Second Amendment rights that we hold dear. I have never seen any evidence of that because included in kind of the programs that are funded by excise taxes, largely from guns and ammo, uh, you have habitat restoration, wildlife conservation, hunter's education courses, and public target shooting ranges. So I don't know how a law that promotes target shooting ranges and that has expanded upon those in recent years um, under the previous administration, especially, I don't see that as an infringement. I know some people don't like that component, the excise tax component, um, but I think Second Amendment supporters should feel good that they're kind of helping to shape this conservation conversation. And even beyond that, and I'll talk more about this in my speech later today, about the importance of it and how shooters can play a role in that, um, even if they don't directly engage in those activities, the overlap between it and how, um, you know, a lot of hunters are also caring about conservation as well, um, or rather how conservatives um, who have, happen to be Second Amendment supporters also care about conservation as well um, in the whole mix of things when supporting the Second Amendment. So I'll, I'll briefly touch upon that. So I think uh, the attendees will like that and, and kind of know that that's very possible. Uh, but I've been trying to go around the country saying that conservation is conservative, talking about these kind of components and kind of under the radar things that exist yeah. and that don't infringe the Second Amendment, but also have a higher purpose. Um, in the greater scheme of things, and kind of the threats to that model that is being presented by the anti-gunners and also by radical environmentals who don't like hunting or Second Amendment rights whatsoever. So there is a connection, and I hope I laid that out as clearly as possible. I love that. I, I am excited for the speech already just by the little tease that you gave here because there's so much to it, and you're right. I mean, the conservation and 2A issues do go hand in hand, even though some may not recognize that, like the excise tax, like you mentioned. Let's go back a little bit to FDR, like you mentioned, when really some of the conservation movement started. Did it start even before that prior to with uh, even Teddy Roosevelt? I know he was a big conservationist and he was all about trying to start kind of the national parks across the nation. Did that movement Mm -hmm. help start the, the conservation movement across the nation, do you think? It did kind of green light it and give license to it. Uh, But with national parks, which are wonderful and I support and I have an annual park pass, um, they tend to be the most restrictive when you come when it comes to hunting opportunities. Very rarely can you go hunting. And I think in most of the national parks, you're not allowed to carry. There may be some exceptions. You have to check each individual park. But I believe in kind of secondary and tertiary public lands, um, designated areas like BLM land, Forest Service land, you need to check if you're able to conceal carry or carry. Um, there. But I know those are a little more liberal when it comes to doing that. But knowing kind of the differences within public lands, um, that's how you can know, obviously, you can exercise the Second Amendment. And in those kind of secondary tier 
lands, um, Forest Service, BLM, and I think sometimes Fish and Wildlife, you can go to public ranges. Like I mentioned, target shooting is very much encouraged on BLM land and sometimes on Forest Service land. You just have to kind of see where are the available shooting ranges near you. And yeah, in the grand scheme of things, I would say the National Park uh, kind of design or the kind of establishment of that, uh, even before that too, the first National Park, as everyone knows, is Yellowstone, and that was established in 1872, uh, well before the National Park system came into place. And I think that was Ulysses S. Grant under his administration. I could be mistaken, Uh, but he was similarly, uh, I think, a Republican as well. And that's kind of what springboarded it. But um, in addition to the parks, I think people, like I said, recognize that wildlife, there was no regulated hunting season. If you don't have a regulated season, it can lead to imbalance ecologically, and that's not good. Um, As we know it today in the United States, I think most people in Kansas, where I live in Virginia, no matter what state you live in, you get to enjoy the fruits of Pittman-Robertson. You see birds, you see wildlife, you see bears, you see elk, you see so many different species, which are rehabilitated largely because of conservation dollars, primarily from Pittman-Robertson. This year alone, past year alone, was $1.6 billion that was collected. In totality, it's close to $17 billion since the law went into effect. So in the most recent years, uh, before uh, 2022, it was $1.5 billion in 2021. So in these last few years alone, a big share of those conservation monies have been collected and generated. So it speaks to, obviously, people caring about their surroundings, including Second Amendment supporters who are contributing to the fund and avid anglers and hunters. Um, but there is a separate law for fishing, the Dingle-Johnson Amendment, that doesn't exactly relate to Pittman-Robertson. It's a separate category, but similar kind of setup with it, with how the monies are distributed and collected and whatnot. Yeah. But yes, uh, I would say conservation really took off um, even after the establishment of the national parks under Pittman-Robertson because you had individuals, private public partnerships and others start to care about keeping wildlife. And, and that's how this mechanism with excise taxes and firearms came to be. And I think you see much of the industry laud this system. They don't want to see it go away because if you chip away at it, you invite people, especially those who oppose the Second Amendment and radical environmentalists, like I said, kind of those two interests overlap in many cases, and they don't want to see true conservationists like hunters and shooting sports enthusiasts have a seat at the table uh, over these really critically important decisions. So we, I think, want to keep the model alive. And I think people understand what it is, that it's not taxing you like a traditional tax would, and you're not going to see any loss of rights with it. So yeah, I think all of it combined uh, factors into what we have today. And we see the success of this law, uh, Pittman-Robertson, very pronounced. And I think we'll see it continued barring some crazy event or some certain outstanding threat that happens. But I think shooting sports enthusiasts and Second Amendment supporters should be aware that this law could be jeopardized largely from anti-gunners, but sometimes even from the right too. And so we need to educate people in that regard. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright at his holy cow, do we fly right on through this program? I guess that's a good thing, but man, fast the tower of radio on radio. I'm ready for some more time. What do you say? We have so much more to talk about. Didn't get to it today. We'll have to do it tomorrow. There is an article from 
was at the Associated Press Media's USA Today. The reparation debate going on in the state of California right now could bleed out of just beyond the state of California, which means you and I all over the nation. We have a lot of California listeners. In fact, I was looking at our podcast downloads and overall for the entire year last year, California was ranked number three for some of the most downloads for our show. So all y'all out in California, welcome, man. We love you to death. Uh, but man, there's some crazy people out there. The reparations debate going on in California right now is an interesting one because they're looking at so much money that those just living in San Francisco, it would average out to over $600,000 per household that would have to pay into this reparations program that they're looking at. They've already lost over 6 to 7% of their entire population because taxes are too high, regulations are too ridiculous. So the town's destroying its and that's just going to put the uh, cap on that one, just the uh, straw on the camel's back. So uh, that's insane. But with how expensive that's going to be, eventually, the article went on to talk about how it's going to be looking at federal funding to compensate for that because they just can't sustain that kind of debt. Now, for anyone that has common sense, they realize that you as a city and you as a state has to actually balance your own damn budget. And the federal government can't bail you out as a state. Prime example of that would be Illinois. Uh, that we saw for a few years ago. But the way California likes to mosey its way down the road here, they'll find some way to do it, which means we get to subsidize that program on a national level. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week when we come back. Kind of an interesting uh, take on that one. As we wrap up the Second Amendment debate and discussion on the program today, thanks again to Gabrielle Hoffman. Again, she's going to be the keynote speaker for the Kansas State Rifle Association. And I know we have other radio stations well outside of the Kansas range, well aware of that, and a lot of listeners all over the country uh, that's okay because it's an interesting conversation for sure uh, on a statewide level all over the country, no matter what state you live in, regarding the uh, hunting, fishing licenses, the preservation and conservation of the outdoors and how the hunting community, the angler community, the outdoorsy hiker and bouldering and rock climbing communities, whatever else you like to do outside, uh, we're the ones that actually like to conserve and preserve the outdoors. Why? Because we don't like to catch a three-eyed fish. We don't, <laughs> we don't like... We don't like to catch a deer that has tumors all over it. We actually like to enjoy that meat when we eat it. We don't like to actually have it as a tumor-ridden uh, type of deer or elk or bear or squirrel or pheasants or whatever you like to hunt out there. We actually like them to be healthy, which means we're the true conservationists. So definitely an interesting conversation there. As we wrap up today, though, as you know, I like to kind of wrap up the program on a positive light and a positive note. And I have to give a hat tip to our friends up in Nebraska as the state of Nebraska has just passed this last week as well, their own constitutional carry law in the state is, according to the Associated Press, passing the bill 33 to 14 in the state legislature. So well done up there, my friends. Now, that again comes at the time where the Biden administration is trying to get rid of firearms. They don't like the constitutional carry. They don't like the firearms being sold across the nation. They're trying to ban the ARs, trying to ban the assault weapons or the quote-unquote weapons of war, whatever garbage terms they like to use there. So uh, this just goes against that grain and just throws that next dagger into the back of the government, which they absolutely despise at the federal level. But congratulations to the state of Nebraska. They've been working on that one for a few years. And that one finally coming to fruition after a filibuster for 14 hours on the third round of voting for that bill. That's pretty intense. Uh, Democrats, by the way, in Nebraska, I've been following some of their legislature. They're fascinating because they've been trying to filibuster everything in Nebraska until they can get what they want, which is the LGBTQ issue. Again, 
that's the hill they're willing to die on on everything is transports and the identity politics and the LGBTQ issue. That's the hill that they want to die on. And therefore, they're trying to stall every piece of legislation in every legislature across the nation until they get those issues and they start repealing some of the commonsensical laws of, you know, the trans athletes and the, you know, the, the, the whole bathroom issue and whatever else. So after that $14 filibuster, congratulations to the Nebraska State Legislature. Here on the home front here in Kansas as well, we ended up uh, lowering our permit fees to get your concealed carry. We now have the uh, lowest cost of fees and permits to get your firearm licensing and training here in the state of Kansas. So well done on that too, and I applaud our own state legislature. Uh, Gun laws happening all over the country. Texas working on some, Florida working on some more. The state of Washington, where we're up there as well, uh, working on some. A little bit more difficult, a little bit more difficult, but we'll get it. Don't you guys worry. Until then, have a wonderful weekend. We're back at it again on Monday for our national broadcast here. Uh, If you can make it out tomorrow to Kansas City, we hope to see you up there. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.